I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines on a big, big Monday. In Las Vegas, the Raiders hold off the Chargers, winning overtime, advance to the playoffs, play the Bengals. We'll have the early lines on all the playoff games. Maybe coincidentally, next up, my Steelers, yes, can't keep them down, upset the Ravens, take advantage of the Colts, upset. We'll break down what happened to the Steelers game and what happened to the Colts. Is Nick Saban's an underdog to Georgia? Three points. We'll break it down. Extended handicap. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a big, it's not big Monday, it's a big, big Monday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. A.J. Hoffman in studio. We're going to have an extended breakdown of the national championship game. You're going to get a pick on the game and a best bet from A.J. Hoffman. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. He's the fan who beats the man. A.J. Hoffman. Thanks, R.J. Great to be here on a Monday where the playoff field is set after a wild finish here in Las Vegas last night. The list of NFL coaching openings grows to six. And Nick Saban looks for his eighth title tonight against Georgia. What is the Vegas lead? Eighth still wouldn't be as many as Ric Flair, but still pretty (laughs) impressive. I'm going to start not just because I know it's emotional for you with Herbs, but we're going to start with what went on with the Chargers last night. And to me, it interweaves with the rest of the NFL. And I'll tease just a moment. What I mean by that is, all right, you got Staley making some seemingly irrational decisions. Everyone is like, what's going on? But Staley's got his job secure, it would seem. But then you look at a guy like Fangio. I mean, one of the best defensive minds in football. Zimmer, same. Flores, amazing job with Miami over those years. All out. What does it say about the league and the future of the league? Raiders hold on to win in overtime in a winner-take-all matchup against the L.A. Chargers last night. 35-32. Justin Herbert, 64 pass attempts in the game. Let me ask you this. Not, not to nitpick, but wouldn't you say that there's never been an NFL game ever that was less than a winner-takes-all? Because a tie meant both of them would have won. That's true. I mean, this was the ultimate, (laughs) this is not a winner take all. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) And I think that's a noteworthy thing. And let's start at the end, kind of like a Tarantino movie, and we'll work our way backwards. (laughs) What a situation where the Steelers, 
the Colts were like, oh, they're favored by 16. And then it was dropping and dropping. And we had it. And listen, I'm not going to make a, I'm going to a few times in this hour talk about our perfect 5 and 0 in the Super Contest, but not just to instruct other things, not to make a point of it. All right, AJ? It's just going to be coincidental with the various sure. five or so times I mentioned the 5 and 0 throughout the show. And then tomorrow and the next day. But <laughs> it was a situation where Pittsburgh wins. A tight game. I mean, it would have been a fitting end for Big Ben to end his career, hobbled no doubt by age, but to beat the Browns and then to beat the Ravens, gutsy games each of them, end of the game kind of heroics, kind of heroic for someone who's limping around. It's almost like I don't want them to play Kansas City, but, <laughs> but I was so excited. But then to think all that has to happen is the Raiders and Chargers don't tie. I don't mean tie and go to overtime. I mean tie at the end of the game. And what we had one tie this year, right? That's it. And it was Pittsburgh. So of 200, well, I guess there's more than 256 now because there's 17 weeks. But whatever that 280-some number is, it's like, wow, that's pretty good odds. But then you think about it, we were all talking about the chance of a tie being meaningful so, Mackenzie, maybe you'll have the updated numbers. We had them last week. Typically here in Vegas, you can bet any NFL game, and the tie at the end pays 150 to 1. Circa is the name of the sports book that offers that, and others do too. Now, this is amazing. 150 to 1 was the normal odds. Will this game end in a tie? So, this season, if you had bet every game, well, there was over 256 games, one tie. You know, you can see 150 to 1 is not any great odds, right? Sure. The day before the game, the odds were 60 to 1. Now, when you say close, don't give me the number because I got it, but what, what time is close? Right before the game itself? Yes, right before kickoff. Okay, so are you able to see what the adjustment was as the Colts won the game? Because my understanding was it didn't matter if they tied unless the Colts lost, right? So really, that sixty to one was saying we're adjusting this drastically just because there's a chance it could happen. Sure. And then once the Colts lost, it was like okay, now it is actually pertinent, and because if the Colts had won, it didn't matter. Tie wasn't going to help them. And then it wasn't going to help him either if Pittsburgh hadn't won. So it was going to take three things. It was going to take the Colts losing, which was a big long shot. It was going to take Pittsburgh winning, which was a, a small long shot. They were dogs. And then a tie in the game itself. And all those had to happen for it to matter. And 60-1 to 1 was a big adjustment. And then after the Colts lost to the Ste- and the Steelers won – the odds were nine to one <laughs> at one point that this game would end in a tie. Cockroaches. I mean, you could bet, <laughs> but the thing was, they let you bet the other way. So I appreciate because it was a two-sided bet. But still, wow, was the public attuned to that possibility? Certainly. And at a certain point, and I know Mackenzie, you got the TikTok on this. The Raiders got the ball. The game's tied. They each had kicked a field goal, right? And it was a or um, yep, they had both kicked a field okay. goal. Okay, so now it feels like, well, wait a minute. I you know I kind of thought Staley was a bold coach. Why didn't he go for two at the end of the game? 
because a tie was a win for him. I know. Isn't that interesting, though? So, anyone that's acting like these teams weren't considering that, and I think the sports books were smart to move the line, because to me, I would have loved it at 150 to 1, because my thinking was not that they're going to kneel, but they're going to do certain things and be less aggressive, less aggressive in certain spots. And to me, the Raiders were in that spot. So they had the ball. And what yard line was it? Uh, before the big run that got broken off before the kick? It was at the Chargers 39. All right. So they're on the Chargers. Th- that was before the long run? Yeah. Okay. And how long was the run? Uh, was 10 yards. 10 yards. Uh, maybe long wasn't the right word for that. Okay. Long so, enough. All right. So <laughs> what happens was the clock's ticking. And at that point, watching the game, AJ, did it feel like the Raiders were in a big hurry to kick a field goal? No. First and 10, run. Second and 11, run. And now that's the one. Second and 11, and you're out of field you're goal You're out of field. Right? They were at the 46-yard line. You can't, you're not kicking a field goal from there. So I, and then Now the clock's ticking. Raiders are out. And then lo and behold, what ha- Staley? Timeout. Okay, smart guy wants to get involved, right? <laughs> 38 seconds left at this point. He's raising his hand like in the back saying, I know, I know. <laughs> and then they set it on the podium. Quarterback Carr said, our play call changed. And the implication was the aggressiveness increased. And that, that they said, hey, now that we got a timeout, we're going to take a shot, long run, or 10-yard run. And lo and behold, the Chargers would have made the playoffs if the game ends in a tie. Is that maybe the most egregious of all here? Of, of what Staley did, Like one, if you're, start, if you're calling timeout to get your defense set right, that's an indictment of your coaching on top. I mean, maybe in the scheme of things, it was better to call the timeout than have the wrong defense, but why do you have the wrong defense to start That with? late in the play clock, too. Yeah, so it, it does feel like he doesn't come out of that unscathed no matter what. And you know if you let the other team think about it because we all as humans tend towards inaction when we're confused there's all kind of theory in in buying e-commerce that if you make it confusing people won't buy because they're afraid to get the wrong deal or they're afraid to make a big mistake right if you're buying a, a pack of gum in, in, in line at the grocery store, the 7-Eleven, you don't think too much about it. You're, you're not afraid. It's a normal dollar, whatever. But when you're buying insurance or you're doing something major, people freeze up because they're afraid to be wrong. The Raiders were frozen. I'm not saying they were frozen, but they were not being bold, it would seem. No. Timeout, they get a chance to think it through, they get bold. Yeah, and here's the thing. The Chargers, obviously, a tie would have been fine for them. The Raiders would have been in, but if the Raiders tie... Their first round matchup is with the Chiefs. Yeah, but I do. That hasn't gone well for them. I don't think they were necessarily because it had last year. They played. I mean, they had a great win against it, and they almost won the second game. So I'm not sure how much it was a fear of the Chiefs than it was. They they just want to win. I think that I think that's the case. You say this all the time. These pro athletes, they want to win football games. That's what they do. I mean, I would make I would make the case that the odds against them throwing the ball. To get a field goal, I totally get where that could pick sixes happen all yep. the time. But once they got in the field goal and they give them a chance to think it out, have the play, 10 yard, whatever, is they were probably going to try a 57 yard field goal if they, if they would have had that chance. So, in a weird way, the only thing that could have happened then was a block kick and a return for a touchdown. So, the Raiders, it, it was going to take an extreme thing for them to lose that game. But if they would have just kneeled out there, they would have had a 0% chance to lose the game. Even kicking the field goal at the end, 
risk losing the game. Sure. There's like a more a 46, than zero chance. 47 yard field goal. So if all they cared about was losing the game, it was avoiding losing the game. It was a horrendous mistake to kick the field goal. But obviously, something else mattered to him. Well, this is a divisional rival. You don't want to let your uh, division rival get into the playoffs. Although there were, were people saying if Al Davis were still alive, he would have taken the tie to keep the Steelers out of the playoffs. Oh, no, that's it. Well, <laughs> I don't think he hated this. Well, he might have hated the Steelers more because they, they kept all those Madden teams out of the Super Bowl in the <laughs> 70s. But I think Madden was 1-6 in, in, in the AFC Championship game. Al Davis used to call it the Immaculate Deception. Well, listen... <laughs> All I know is at the Pittsburgh airport, there's a there's a, a statue of Franco Harris catching that ball. So I'm going to assume that is correct. And the ball was clearly above the ground. The big dispute on that was did who did uh, uh, I think it was Frenchie Fuqua was the receiver. I'm not sure, but did he touch the ball or did the defender touch it? Because you couldn't have the receiver touch the ball without the defender. But by all accounts, it was simultaneous. Okay, that's what I'm sticking with. R.J. Bell here, straight out of Vegas with A.J. Hoffman. So, in a weird way, as humans, we got to embrace the fact the Raiders were willing to risk the playoffs to win the game. They just weren't going to be willing to risk it for a smaller chance to win, but when they had it given to them. So, doesn't Staley just think to himself, doesn't it seem so in contrast to Belichick in the Super Bowl against Seattle? Where he looked, 100%. he looks over and sees they are in disarray. Seattle, and he said, everyone in the world screaming, "Time out, time out!" Belichick says, "No, let's no, no, let's do it." Because you know what the other analogy is? Harking back to 1987. You ever hear of Bobby Knight? I have heard of Keith him. Smart. Yeah, you remember that play? Like I was seven years old. Exactly. <laughs> Detail for us. Oh, I don't remember the oh, exact play. Well, no. it's the famous play where uh, Indiana's down one. Other team, I can't remember who it was, made the shot. They take it out, have timeouts left. There's like 15 seconds left in the game. And they go down and run their offense. No timeouts. Because Bobby Knight felt like my team in a disorganized situation is going to be better than the other team in a disorganized situation. Coaches that want a baby, and, and you could make the case that McVay falls in this category. He wants to be talking in the ear of the quarterback all the way as cl- close up to the snap as he can. Staley wants to talk again with his team. It's like if you coaching isn't lecturing and then having them be robots. Coaching is putting them in a situation to succeed. It feels like Staley failed there. Absolutely failed. And like you said, Bill Belichick seeing the other team without their guys in the right position and saying, let's go, complete opposites. And it brings into question if Staley was ready to be a head coach. And I know he's an analytics darling, but I do think there's some questions about where he, where he is. Well, listen, we're gonna, uh, let's quickly run down his history because if you actually look as recently as when President Obama was still president, so we're talking about the end of 2016, the fall of 2016. Staley was which NFL team was he at? He was not on an NFL team. Oh, so college, major college for no, sure, head coach. D three, John Carroll. Wow, and head coach. No, defensive coordinator <laughs> and uh, secondary coach. So, so he was. I mean, all joking aside, he was probably getting paid like ninety thousand dollars. A DC at Division three. It's about right. It might be. It might be generous, honestly. I mean, and I'm not saying ninety thousand is nothing. I'm saying this is a guy that's making what ten million a sure. year or whatever now. And it was literally when. I mean, literally, it was a few months before Donald Trump was sworn in. It was that recently. 
that he was a defensive coordinator in D3. Then quickly he went. Went to the Denver Broncos. Uh, a, oh, excuse me, went to the Bears to be the outside linebacker coach with Fangio. All right. And then left there to go to the Denver Broncos for the same job, mm-hmm. outside Which linebacker's that's coach. That's interesting. After two years in the league, he didn't get it up to when he went with Fangio. And then in 2020, became the defensive coordinator for the Rams for the one year. All right, and now he's a head coach, and I had serious. Keep this in mind. I had serious analytics people say that when the Chargers played the Patriots this year, that the Chargers had a coaching advantage. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, a lot of serious people thought that. Now, what's going on there? One, there's so much obsession with the end game decision making, and you know why? The fourth down decision making, because if you're on the couch. And that's where these analytics guys are, for the most part, on a couch. Maybe some are in their mom's basement. Maybe some aren't. I think for sure some aren't. For sure some are. (laughs) And they can understand that. It's like a chess problem. They can understand fourth down, what's the chance of going for it, what's the chance of making it. Now, we can debate that till we're blue, and that segues into the fourth and one. And I'm going to put one in quotes, and them going for it on the 18. Now you are a longtime football fan, AJ. You're just you know in your early early forties, but you've been around the block. How did that play strike you? It struck me as bad football, and I was surprised when you told me today that all of the bots said it was the right move. Because from someone who just watches football and and I I believe I have a pretty good understanding of how football works. It, it just made no sense to me. It was basically giving them points if you don't get it there. And listen, there's four major bots that are out there that calculate this stuff in real time. And like I told you guys for a long time, is everyone that looks at the OJ case and says it's crazy, there's no way OJ could not be guilty when it was millions and millions to one against the matching blood. And my question was, well, how certain were we at the time? That, and again, I think OJ was guilty, but I also think not guilty was the right decision because it wasn't beyond a reasonable doubt. And you don't put people in jail for a lifetime over non reasonable, you know, less than reasonable doubt, but, or I guess more than reasonable doubt. So, in the case of these bots, and in the case of the OJ thing, my point was. Well, what's the basic assumptions of this, right? The assumptions in the OJ case was the blood didn't get contaminated from the time it was picked up all the way to the testing. But then they found out chain of custody was broken. It was kept in a trunk of a car. Then when you find a racist cop there, it's like, okay, now what? How do you know what the agenda is? Again, I don't think, I don't think that was the case. But I don't. Would I bet my life against it? No. So why should someone else's life go against it? That's, to me, what's great about America. Now now we move to football. We have basic assumptions that, okay, the chance of going for it here is and making it is this. And the chance of scoring after you punt is this. And the chance of scoring if you don't make it is this for the other team. Are those assumptions right? We have, who's examined them? No one's looked at them. Or, or non-analytics people haven't. And one day, you know what we're going to hear? Oh, yeah, that was the early model, and we accounted for this and this, and now it's a little different. What you've you've said this before, and it really opened my eyes to it, is if two different bots we're supposed to rely on and they have different math, then can you really trust either one of the bots' math? It's an interesting point, isn't it? Because math usually has one true answer. And, and you could say, oh, if they're all saying the same thing, and, and there is a point there, unless there's a fundamental assumption that's wrong, But think about this. If you want to be on the side of analytics in all cases, 
And a lot of half-smart people want to be because they want to be on the smart side. Well, think about this. You have to support that Staley play. In fact, I give the guy that Staley call, and again, it was fourth down and one. But let's talk about that distinction for a minute. They don't say fourth down and 1.6 yards or 1.4 yards. And a lot of times, but remember, what is this? there is no fourth and zero. No. So that means that from one inch, all the stats that talk about fourth and one, third and one, are from one inch all the way to, I think, 1.49. Yeah, a foot and a half, yeah. yeah. So this was like 1.4 yards. Yeah. So this is how the models always get backtracked on once they're found to be wrong. It's like, well, you know, actually, we didn't have the um, technology to assess exactly how far each play was. So we had all the fourth and ones historically bunched into one, which in fourth down in the old days, when did people go for it? When it was like a, cha- a chain link, right? Yep. So, yeah, you're going to make it X number of times, which is going to be a higher number. With one and a half yards, you almost, some people won't run the ball in that spot. So, I mean, running is a question because it's not much further. It's only another what foot and a half from a two-point conversion. In the old days, if the quarterback couldn't jump up and reach over the line, they weren't going to run on that play. Now, I'm not saying that's right either, but what we're saying is, here's an example where the numbers say, but in truth, is it apples to apples if it's 1.4 yards? I think that's a really smart thing, because it's not. Not all fourth and ones are created the same. And if anything, if there's any fourth and whatever that's going to be skewed, it's going to be skewed to short yardage, because there is no fourth and zero. Right. Right? Because you've got a yard and a half that can be fourth and one. Everything else, you only got a yard, right? Because from half a yard back to zero, 0.001 is going to still be under one. Yep. Right? So, and there's a bias. It's skewed that way. So to me, that's just one example where the numbers don't always make, uh, don't always represent reality exactly. And they tend to say it very silently in the back of journals when they change these things. And no one talks about them. They just say, science is on our side. Math is on our side. Oh, by the way, I look in the back for the seven times in the past that math and science were quote unquote wrong, but uh, we've fixed it now. So trust us now. Trust us now. All right. I don't know. Should I just leave and we'll just play a commercial? I mean, because I mean, how do you do better? I think we just leave. I'm going to do better. When we come back, (laughs) I'm going to do better and I'm going to talk about how, in my opinion, elite coaches like Fangio, Zimmer, and Flores. All don't have a job, but Stanley does. What or Staley does? What's going on? He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm AJ Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to take a look at the other side of that game where Rich Bisaccia gets his team to the playoffs despite a lot of things going against the Raiders this year. Yeah, let's give the Vegas team a little bit of credit here, no doubt. And if you think about it, and, and just to wrap up Staley for a minute, we talked about him being the defensive coordinator at John Carroll University in 2016. Um the Bureau of Labor Statistics said Division Three assistant football coaches, the average, this was 2009, 39,500. Now, 
he was probably a bigger, you know, though young, he probably, you know, double that maybe. But he was, I think it's pretty safe to say that we're not sure he was making less than 100000 And now he is what? Making some of the most unconventional decisions in the NFL, but he has the analytics crowd behind him, and he's seemingly safe. We're going to get to some uh, coaches that are not only not safe, they're they're dead <laughs> they're as coaches. Yeah, and for their teams. Yeah, Rich Basaccia, not one of those, at least not yet, although the Raiders' job technically still open as he's still an interim, but in the playoffs with a 10-7 and record. And my by all accounts that I respect, he's not going to get that job. Now, again, you never know. Um, it'll be interesting because, in theory, if I got that job and I'm not a football coach, I'd want to keep Bastachia, 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 Pazan as a um, you know, like assistant head coach, a guy that maybe doesn't have all of the creativity or, or gravitas to. You know why not though? That's what's interesting. You look at a guy like Campbell from the Lions, and it's like they really played well this year uh, relative to expectations. Now, not necessarily win total wise, but just so many games they were competitive in. And I think it was super encouraging if you look at Raiders. They played so well at the end, they made the playoffs. Mackenzie, what was the Raiders' longest shot? Um, when they were in their, their their worst position to make the playoffs before week fifteen, they were six and seven. They had a five percent chance for five thirty eight. So one in twenty. They had the same chance the the Steelers, the Steelers had yesterday, <laughs> which wasn't the same as the Ravens. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? That we all sit here. I don't really, but others like Fezzik and, and let's be honest, AJ do, and they'll say, "Well, they don't really care. It's only a five percent chance." Are you done with that? Finally. Yes. Thank you, because I think these football players are, are are meatheadish in some good ways, where they say, "Hey, can we make the playoffs?" Yes, okay, we're going to play hard. And you know what? Seattle didn't have a chance to make the playoffs, did they? Still played hard. I think in general, you should find a reason that they aren't going to play hard. And maybe you might find it. even Miami. I thought had a dream crusher, and apparently there was so much disorganization or uh, discombobulation within Miami's. Organization, they, the coach was unexpectedly going to be fired. They still beat Bill Belichick for the fourth straight time. And meanwhile, the Colts had all the motivation in the world and looked like they could care less. No doubt. So I do think that we ask ourselves, what is it? Is it the it factor that keeps the Raiders from staying in house? I don't know. But let's give a hat tip to a 10 win season with the Gruden, one of the biggest distractions in years, and rugs. Uh, with uh, vehicular, I'm not sure the technical, was it homicide, whatever it ends up being, decades likely in jail for him, and still somehow forget. Listen, Gruden was a good OC, whatever you want to say. You take that brain power out, and not saying it was wrong. I mean, obviously it was wrong what he did. It was right for him to go, but it doesn't change on the field. There was a lack of Gruden's expertise. And then you take away your only deep threat, really, and the fact that this team, but hey, let's not lose sight. The Raiders got lucky. If there's any time in general, when you win, was it four overtime games? It's a situation where there's a lot of coin flips going your way, but give them credit. And it's it, to me, it's what makes football great is a team like the Raiders can make it. And you know what? It's an accomplishment to make the playoffs, even if you don't win the Super Bowl. 
And I think I'm. We, any closing thoughts on the Raiders? No, I, I'm impressed. I, I I would not have thought this was a team that could make the playoffs, and to do it in a year where they've had so much turmoil is pretty amazing. So you got Fangio out, Zimmer out, Flores out of Miami. In my opinion, AJ, if you put these guys in the mix and every other non-NFL head coach, so. Bill Belichick's not in the mix, but anyone that's not a head coach is. So, what is there, uh, 26 people that are head coaches now, I guess, if there's six openings? And say, who's the best defensive coordinators in, in, on the earth that aren't part of that head coaching group? I would make the case that Fangio, Zimmer, and Flores would be three of maybe five on earth that I would want as my DC. Thoughts? I don't disagree. I think Todd Bowles, Leslie Frazier, those are guys' names. See, I don't know about Leslie. Give me the Bills' uh, stats on defense. It makes Leslie Frazier on that list. I think the Bills are better on defense than you think. McKenzie, can you grab DVOA? I mean, I can can be sure that it's not that good. And I know last year they were like 22nd on defense. Last year they were bad. So if you have one. One decent year in a high variance thing like defense. Wink Martindale, maybe another guy. Who... No, 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 no. After what you saw, Wink Martindale should do game show hosting. He was very good at it. Yes. <laughs> How old is he? <laughs> but t- he seemed old at the. T- oh wait, someone else. I would say Allen from the Saints is on the list, and and let's put Bowles in there. I think that's a nice top five. But it shows you if you ever wondered, is this an offensive league or a defensive league? When you have a great OC that becomes a head coach, they give him a lot of time, a lot of time. But when you have a great DC, it becomes a head coach, not a lot of time. Get back to defense, old man. And again, this is an offensive league. And a guy like Staley, he, he's a DC in theory, but he got an offensive mentality. DCs aren't usually going for it from their own 18. No. Down three with uh, what is there, almost 30 minutes left in the game. No. Right? Yeah. Bill's right. number one defense per DVOA, by the way. Oh, great. So, who was number one last year? And, and how great? I mean, <laughs> come on. It's like, if you think the Bills have the best defense in football. I don't, but I do think well, it's... Well, then, then why act like they do? They I'm, have a good defense. Maybe we'll call it good. Last year, it was what? I was rebutting that you said they're, they're a bad defense. I think over... I think Did uh, Leslie Frazier just come this year? Nope. He was there last year, too. How was the defense last year? It was year? not good. All right. Well, I'll have you look that up, <laughs> and we're going to tell you about the Colts disaster. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, I'm A.J. Hoffman. He is the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. The Indy Colts. What? a disaster. <laughs> oh my gosh. And listen, here's the question. What the heck is going on in Jacksonville for the Colts? It is now since 2014. In 2014, I don't know, I think that... Um, <laughs> Staley was in high school, maybe at this point. <laughs> I think he was at James Madison. Yeah, the last point. time that the Colts won in Jacksonville. And if you actually look at the um, uh, number of wins Indy had in those years, like last year they had one win. It was only at home against the Colts. And some years they had three wins. This year they had three wins. So here's what we're going to do we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to tell you if you had taken $100. Embedded on Jacksonville in 2015, and you said, I got a feeling, I got a hunch, and you let that money ride the next year, the next year, the next year. How much money would you have right now? 
you are good. Let's just say this: most people could buy a house with it. That it it's that unlikely what's happened. And national championship game pick on the game and a pick on a prop. That's a best bet from AJ. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Let's wrap up our look at week 18 of the NFL before we get into the national championship game. Now, this is amazing. Is A.J., I'm going to let you say this number. If you, if you want, it's such a big number. You know, we'll let McKenzie say it. Is If you had started and had a premonition, a premonition as some call it, and said... I got a feeling Jacksonville's not losing again at home to these Colts. I don't care. Andrew Luck, he's unlucky, in my opinion. And you had taken just one Benji, $100, in the first year, 2015, you say, Moneyline Colts. No, sorry, Moneyline Jags. And then someone said, What did you say? Moneyline Jags, baby, 100 bucks. Shaking their head, they, they booked the bet. And then you just let it ride. Take all those winnings, put it in a safety deposit box. Or maybe an interest-bearing account. And then, how much would you have today with no interest? And let's have a caveat. One of the quote-unquote home games for Jacksonville was in London. But it was officially their home game. And it won, so we're going to count it. And if it didn't win, we wouldn't count it. You know how that goes. (laughs) But, hey, in this case, the guy knew. He had a premonition. Mackenzie, how much money money would you have right now? $193,000 $193,000 and $743. Let's forget the seven. You can have the $743. $193,000. Off of 100 bucks. Off of 100 bucks. Now, think about that. Is you just move the decimal over to, right? So you're looking at it being 19,300 to 1, the chance of this happening. <laughs> it's about 1 in 20,000. Considering the spread on the games that the Jacksonville Jags have not lost to the Colts in their quote-unquote home game since 2014. Do we let it ride next year is the question. <sighs> Stay tuned. Or buy the house. Stay <laughs> tuned. I'm Marchevo. That's AJ Hoffman. We're straight out of Vegas. Shifting the national championship game. Georgia favored by three right now. The VIG is a little bit less. A little bit less. So it's a, like three, but like 2.9, really. You can get a cheaper price if you want to lay the three. Nick Saban as an underdog. Doesn't happen very often. Mackenzie, what is Nick Saban as a dog? He's six and four straight up, six and four against the spread. But his first year, he was five and one. Now that's interesting. That's five and one since his first year. Oh, since his first year. Okay, because I was going to say I knew that first year they lost a game like to like a one double A school. Yeah. Remember who that was? I don't remember what yeah. the team. They lost a game. They weren't supposed to lose. Yeah, and they were six and five, if I recall that first year at Alabama. And since then, there's been six times in all those years that. Alabama was an underdog. Now, think about that, AJ. All those road games. It's crazy. At LSU, at Georgia, 5-1 and one, straight up. 
And the ATS margin is plus 14 points per game. Now, is that in the 5-1 and one or in all 10? That's, that's in all 10, plus 20 in the 5-1. and one. All right, so think about this now. In six games that he's been a dog since the first season, they are 5-1 and one against the spread. But amazingly, they outscored the spread by 20 points per game, which is 120 points over only six games. And, oh, by the way, he was a dog in the SEC championship game. So let's do your pick first. Where are you going with this? Now, it's got to be Alabama, right? <laughs> it is not Alabama. I am going with the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I am going to lay the money line price here. Now, what's the current number? The current number you can get at 132. All right, so let's call it 135. Why the money line, not the spread? Two and a half was available the last two days. If you wanted two and a half, you should have gotten it then. Uh, I do think that, much like the Super Bowl, there is a, a, a premium being put on the money line of the dog. The, the, the average better, Barney at the bar, as you call him, is going to go up and say, I want Alabama on the money line because that's the good payout. Well, and, and plus, there, it's not just a good payout because that would be the good payout in all games. What happens is in the national championship game, you actually get betters who aren't actually common betters and they don't really even fully understand the spread sometimes. And they just want to bet a little to win more and they don't even understand the spread. So you do get a good bit of that action, and it depresses the payout on the dog on the money line, which makes it a better payout on the favorite than it typically is. Yeah, I think that Georgia is going to be able to fix some things that went wrong in the first time. I think it was a lot of execution and not necessarily game plan problems that cost them in the first game. So you think with the pressure of the SEC title game, it was too much. Now the national championship will be I don't get it. I also think Alabama is going to be less dominant offensively without John Mechie, who was a, a premium receiver for them who got hurt now so, for the season in the SEC. So they have another real good receiver, right? Yeah, the uh, transfer from Ohio State, mm-hmm. your guy. They get our out, outcast, <laughs> but cast offs. But, but your thinking is you can stop one good receiver. Now, haven't we seen Alabama usually has a couple good receivers waiting? Yeah, Slade Bolden is the typically been the number three receiver, could be him, but I think freshman Ja'Cory Brooks is going to be the guy who gets most of Mechie's looks tonight. Okay, so you like Georgia. I tell you, Nick Saban against former assistants, 25-1 and one straight up. You don't want him to know you. Right? And him know you and you know him. Saban Winzos, 25 and 1 straight up. Now you've got a best bet on a prop. Yeah. Brian Robinson Jr., under 64 and a half rushing yards. That is the Alabama running back who ran for over 200 against Cincinnati. So the name is hot right now. People don't, they just don't run for this kind of yardage against Georgia. And if you're right, if Georgia's winning the game, they might not be running as much. Yeah. And, and Georgia shut him down in the last game as well, 50 yards. So this is a, a spot where you're getting a big name with a bigger number than is normal. They've only given up one 65-yard rusher this year, and I don't think Alabama, what they what you saw in the last game where they threw, 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 if they beat Georgia, that's the way they're going to do it again. Mine's an opinion only, but my opinion is Alabama going against A.J. One, Saban, Saban. But two, ask yourself this. Georgia, they usually finish worse than their expectations starting the year. Georgia is a team that gets the recruits. They don't do it on the field. Why should we expect that to be different this year? Plus, Georgia has a very simple offense. Saban dominates those kinds of offenses. We saw that in the SEC Championship. If you missed any of today's show, check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. A+. Straight out of Vegas!